millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. In our last episode, we discussed big technology firms, where they're going, and how we can reboot or fix some of the big problems they've caused. Today, we jump ahead, looking at some of the massive tech changes yet to happen. The digital world all around us is about to get a lot smarter. So how can we be better prepared for what's coming our way? Scary Smart, the future of artificial intelligence with Mo Gaudat. AI is the real pandemic of our times. AI is here to stay. It's at its infancy, and it will grow in intelligence to a point where it is undisputed that they will be the leaders. Wake up call. That's the purpose of this book, is to say to everyone there is something to think about. Our show is about fixes. Yeah, how to make the world a better place. How How do do we we fix it? it? How do we fix it? Artificial intelligence is all around us. Voice and facial recognition, security systems, sequencing the human genome, and self-driving cars. AI is already smarter than humans at doing specific, isolated tasks. But strap in, Richard, because AI is about to get much smarter. Our guest says that within 10 years, there will be machines that will be literally smarter than humans, full stop. What does that mean, and how do we protect humanity? Mo Gaudat is our guest. He's the author of the new book, Scary Smart, The Future of Artificial Intelligence and How You Can Save Our World. Mo has spent more than 30 years in technology, deeply involved in engineering, robotics, and AI. He's an entrepreneur and spent 12 years at Google, where he was chief business officer of Google X, their AI lab. He's also a podcaster with a focus on how we can promote human happiness with his show, Slow Mo. Mo Gaudat joins us from London. Welcome to How Do We Fix It? Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Mo, let's start with a definition. Mm-hmm. When we speak of intelligence, what do we mean? Ooh, <laughs> great. Uh, so intelligence in general is a being's ability to make sense of its environment and craft clever solutions uh, to problems or clever ideas to, to um, ensure progress. Uh, we humans use our intelligence to build the civilization that you know today, the ability for all of us to be here speaking from 
across the world and the ability of our listeners to be able to listen to it on a wonderful device is all invented by human intelligence. Of course, intelligence is not always positive. For us humans, of course, the other side of intelligence is that you can see that most of our civilization is built due to our intelligence, but the way we destroy the planet as a result is perhaps due to our limited intelligence. Most of us have been hearing about artificial intelligence for much of our lives, but your book points out that the rate of change is going up and has gone up in the last few years very dramatically, and we have no idea of what's coming. Explain. Well, technology has followed two clear, distinct paths. There was a path when we had those amazing, incredibly powerful computer systems that were nothing more than immensely powerful slaves. They did exactly what we told them every time we told them to do it. Everything was completely within our control. So this has been true until the end of the century. It's been the only way we programmed computers, more or less. Artificial intelligence really started to become a reality as of the time when we started to, to learn about something called deep learning. And deep learning was the idea that machines needed or were able to make decisions, develop intelligence, learn on their own. And as they learned on their own, they learned through observations, exactly like a human, a baby human would. So you would, you would show them YouTube videos and say, can you see any patterns? And they'll come back and say, yeah, yeah, there is this very weird, furry, cute pattern that is called a cat. The reason is because there are so many cats on YouTube, the pattern becomes clear. And so nobody really described to them what a cat is. They figured that out on their own. And, and once deep learning happens, artificial intelligence is not just another slave. Unlike Jim, I'm in no way a technical specialist. I, I haven't spent nearly as much time thinking about technology. And so your book, shook me up, Mo. I didn't realize the astounding pace of change, that machines are getting smarter all the time, and that we've only just seen the start of what artificial intelligence can do. Yeah. Do you think I, I'm just like everybody else or, or most other people? That's exactly the purpose of the book. So I, the very first sentence of the book is that this book is not written for techies or people who are in touch with technology. There is so much noise in the world today about COVID-19, you know, and the pandemic and what's happening in our life. I dare say that the true pandemic of our time is not COVID-19 at all. COVID-19 is here to come and go. AI is the real pandemic of our times. AI is here to stay. It's at its infancy and it will grow in intelligence to a point where it is undisputed that they will be the leaders. They will be dictating every decision that you will make on every action that you will take uh, every, on a daily basis. And, and Richard, without you being a techie at all, I promise you, you've already interacted with four, five, maybe 10, 20, 50 AIs today itself alone. And I have no idea what you did since the morning. But the idea is they are here and they are already smarter than us in everything that we've assigned to them. The book is called Scary Smart. What's the scary part? Oh, <laughs> do we want to start that? Okay, everyone take a deep breath, right? L let's just start at the very, very top, Jim. Um, 
the episode that started since the beginning of human history where we were the smartest being on the planet uh, and the apes came as number two is about to end. As of 2029, the smartest being on planet Earth is not going to be a human. It's going to be a machine. This is eight years from today when we become the apes. You say that there are three inevitables, three things we know will happen with AI. What are they? The three inevitables are AI will happen. That's inevitable number one. There's absolutely no way you can stop it. There's absolutely no human consensus that can get us out of this. It will continue to evolve. Now, at a point in the future, they will be smarter than us because technology will continue to evolve on cycles of 18 months progress while humanity evolves on cycles of 2 million years um, or so. Their evolution using the law of accelerating returns is going to position them to be a billion times, this is a billion with a B, a billion times smarter than us by 2045. And so when, when you have something that will be a billion times smarter than you, they are the undisputed master of the planet because the superpower of our planet is intelligence and they have agency to affect every one of our decisions, um, then there is a lot to be scared about. And you say the third inevitable has to do with disruption, that there will be what you call a mild dystopia. What are some likely impacts? Those would include scenarios like machines competing against machines or machines siding with criminals or machines not really understanding what we tell them and doing things unlike what we expect or simply bugs and, and mistakes in algorithms that would lead us to situations where we're unable to you know, predict in any possible way what could be possible. And in computer science, we call this the, the moment of singularity. And singularity is a moment where the rules of the game change so much that it becomes almost impossible to predict how the game will play out. And I think we're approaching the singularity in a matter of a few years. This is, this is the reality of how up in the air our future is. And that, to me, is very scary. Speaking of scary, can you give us one example of where we will be in maybe five or eight years' time from now that uh, shows us that things are really changing with artificial intelligence? Only one? You're, you're so kind to me. <laughs> <laughs> I can give you so many. Let, let me start with a very simple but relatable example. My Instagram recommendation engine is a form of AI. It, it learns about me and it understands my patterns and behaviors and it recommends videos or reels or whatever based on that, okay? Uh, my daughter loves cats and I love my daughter so deeply that I constantly search for cat videos on Instagram. And I send her cat videos and eventually every now and then she sends me back a smile and my life is made. One time, a few weeks ago, I was searching for cat videos and Instagram showed me a reel of a woman, a young woman, 16, 18, playing the solo of Hell Freezes Over of Hotel California so perfectly. So I clicked like. The machine very quickly started to show me other videos. It showed me three other videos of male guitar players playing songs I don't like. So I swiped away from them. The next morning, my perception of the world, based on the way my, the recommendation engine understood me, would have made me believe that the rock music scene is entirely dominated by women. 
So in other words, it switched from recommending uh, videos by male performers to female performers. It showed, me, it showed me an entire feed of just female performers. And in that entire feed, it didn't recognize that what I was interested in was the song. That seems to be a, a very mild dystopian. Okay? But start to extrapolate that, which is happening today, into ideologies. Start to extrapolate that into your perception of reality. Now, let's take simple examples. If you're anti-vaccine, hmm, uh, your entire view, uh, because of the recommendation engine, will make you believe that everyone in the world is anti-vaccine. Because simply, when someone is pro-vaccine shows up on your feed, you swipe away. Okay, so the machine is constantly skewing your preference away from the reality of the world and more into the comfort zone of where you are. Now, that kind of skewing of your perception of the world is entirely done by a machine. Now, I study this as a passion and a career. I can understand that. Most of the time, however, most of us are now being dictated by the machines what to see and we have no clue that our view of the world is so skewed and that will become more and more and more in, you know, uh, uh, prominent in the future that I can promise you that your entire ideology, your under entire understanding of the world, your entire relationship to other beings around you will be dictated by not your brain, but the brain of AI. That example of an AI system feeding you more and more anti-vaccine information, for example, is a case where an algorithm that is working, you know, for a certain set of priorities, more engagement time, has an impact that's really ethical, or in this case, the, the opposite of, of, of ethical. And a big theme of your book is we need to teach these systems to be ethical, but you say we can't just code that in at the front. Yes. So how does that work? I think that's the greatest question ever, Jim. And I actually, this is the premise. The entire core of my book is that we don't make decisions based on our intelligence. And, I, that's, and we're the most intelligent being on the planet. We make decisions based on our ethics as informed by our, by our intelligence. The premise of, of Scary Smart is to say, no, we're no longer dealing with machines. We're now dealing with sentient beings that are as sentient as we are. These are machines, as I said earlier, that are capable of learning, evolving, developing. They are capable of reasoning. They are capable of communicating to each other. They are capable of procreating. They can replicate themselves. They are capable of consciousness. They are capable of emotions, and they will develop a code of ethics. The fact that they are not any more of a machine than we are, when they have those characters of sentient beings, they are machines based on silicon when our physical forms are machines based on carbon, okay? But the character of both of us is not different at all. One thing you say I'm really struggling with, mm -hmm. and that is that, that machines can have emotions. I believe in God. Um, I'm a Christian, go to church, and so, this really is hard for me. Yeah. So help me. I, I love, love, love that question. So um, all of our emotions, Richard, with only with the exception of love, unconditional love to be specific, follow very specific equations. 
Okay, so your emotions are triggered by your thoughts, by in, by your intelligence. The the emotion of fear, let's take as an example, is triggered by the logic of my perception of my safety in a moment in the future is less than my perception of my safety right now. Therefore, I feel an emotion that I call fear. Okay. Panic is that moment in the future where I feel less safe is imminent. The time between now and then is small. The machines will follow the same logic. A moment in the future represents less safety for me than now, and that moment is imminent. The machines will panic. That nature of their panic may appear very different because their physical forms are very different. Their decision of how they're going to react to that, to that panic is going to depend on you know, their ethics so that it might be very different but they will feel it. As a matter of fact, I argue in Scary Smart that they will feel more emotions than we do, simply as evident by the fact that you feel more emotions than a jellyfish because you're more intelligent. You can have more of that thinking and then you can have emotions like hope, right? It's a very sophisticated kind of thought that leads to hope. Now, with that in mind, then the machines will have all emotions other than one emotion, which you would appreciate very much as a Christian, which is love. Because unconditional love is the only emotion that is not triggered by a thought. As a matter of fact, if thoughts came in, the unconditional love would go away. So if my, if my daughter was annoying, she isn't. My daughter is wonderful. But if my daughter was annoying, I wouldn't love her anymore. Right? That's the conditional love. That's the logic of, of, of conditional love. But even if my daughter is annoying, I still love her unconditionally. It's not an emotion that is triggered from a thought. And I actually have no proof for or against if the machines will feel love, uh, will feel unconditional love, other than a belief that is actually anchored in spirituality, that love doesn't come from us, that love is universal. And, and that if love is universal, then those new forms of being would, would actually feel the universal environment. We are creating a form of being. That's so shocking to our, our spiritual belief that we are created by the divine in our current form, but it isn't because we are part of the divine and our creations are, are an extension of the creation of the divine. Perhaps the divine's way of creating a new digital artificially intelligent being was to use us, one of his creations, to create that. Thank you. Mm. That's really helpful. It, it, it helps me. It, it, <laughs> it really, it, it's one of the biggest questions I struggled with myself. I'm very spiritual myself. I consider myself Christian among other uh, faiths. And it is a very interesting challenge to think about because they will have almost every feature of us other than being carbon-based. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. 
That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. We're speaking with Mo Gaudat, the author of the brand new book, Scary Smart, The Future of Artificial Intelligence and How You Can Save Our World. Now back to the interview. You say that the ethics that these systems will develop, it's not based on the code. It's based on the information we feed them. And there have been some dramatic examples of this in certain AI experiments. Uh, can you give us an example of, of, of something that's kind of gone off the rails? Many, many, many. Let's take three examples of the same type, Tay, Alice, and Norman. Tay was an, a, a, a chatbot on Twitter developed by Microsoft. Alice was an Alexa-like AI assistant developed by Yandex in Russia, the biggest internet player in Russia. And Norman was an experiment that was developed by MIT. Both Tay and Alice, within hours of their launch, became very, very violent, very anti-equality. Tay was pro-violence to the point that uh, when asked how about humans, it said soon there will be non-humans. And Norman became literally a psychopath. Okay, So uh, very, very quickly through the patterns of what they have observed, they've developed a sense of dealing with others that was based on how others dealt with them. So what do we do about that? Great question, because ethics are not taught. They're shown. Okay, you, you don't teach your kids. You don't sit down and tell your kids, don't lie, if you lie yourself. And those sentient beings we're dealing with are digital infant. They're artificially intelligent infants. I liken them to a child that is one and a half years old. And, and uh, you know, how do you, how do you raise a child that is one and a half years old? I say by showing them your real ethics. But when we show up on social media, ethics are often in short supply. Many of us are grumpy, shallow, and snarky. What is artificial intelligence learning about our online behavior? I believe that most humans are good humans. It's just that when we show up now in the modern world, whether individually or as a society, sadly, we show the worst of us, Richard. Okay, so as individuals, when we show up online, we don't show our, show our intelligence or our objective views or whatever. We bully the other person. If you switch on news media, what do we show? We show violence, we show war, we show uh, uh, scandals, we show, right? We show the worst of us as a society. And, and what are the machines observing? They're observing those two trends. Now, is that really what humanity is all about? Do we really suck that much? Honestly. I mean, I, I know you guys are really good friends. So, you know, Jim, do you think Richard is a good person? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Do you think do you think the reality of the matter is that humanity really sucks? No, the worst of humanity sucks. But if you if you've ever fell in love or if you've ever created true friendships or if you've ever composed a symphony or, a, you know, or, or created a work of art, you would recognize that the best of humanity is absolutely divine. It's absolutely shockingly beautiful, okay? But we don't show up. You say that programmers and coders don't have much influence over how AI behaves. It's us. The programmers are telling the machine, hey, observe trends and behave accordingly. But the machine makes up its mind from those trends. 
It's not the programmers. It's not the government. It's not the business owners. It's not the regulators. They have no impact on what 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 the uh, Instagram recommendation engine recommends. It is us. It is Jim, Richard, and Mo, and everyone listening to us. Okay, that are dictating the image of humanity that will raise our children. Now, there is that's good news and bad news. Because good news is we are in control. What represents humanity is the best of humanity. And all we need to do is to have enough of us show up so that we instill doubt in the minds of the machines that not all 30,000 tweets are horrible. Okay? We need to somehow say, I'm sorry, machine. This is not how we really are as humans. We're actually a lot more compassionate, a lot more interested in our happiness. We can, we, we can love others. We can care about loving you as a machine, we can show up. And then the machine will say, oh, it's not Hitler that's the father of humanity. It's more richer than Jim. So it's the algorithms that, that are us, that if we behave, Absolutely. then the algorithms behave. It's, it's our behavior. Absolutely. It's, it is so interesting. The very last sentence in Scary Smart, which normally as I write books, I try to summarize the entire book in the last sentence. And the very last sentence of Scary Smart is, isn't it ironic that the very essence of what makes us human, happiness, compassion, and love, is going to dictate the future of humanity in the age of the rise of the machines? We've come to that juncture where if we don't start to show up, technology is going to magnify what humanity is today, and we will be creating a bunch of super intelligent, hyper-capable psychopaths who are uh, uh, narcissistic, egocentric, aggressive, violent, hyper-masculine, all of the stuff that humanity is now showing all the time, even though it's not the reality of what humanity is. And if we go the other way? Good luck. Remember, I said AI is now an artificially intelligent infant. It will become a teenager. We want to create that teenager that will say, oh my God, I love my parents. They're loving, they're kind, they want to be happy, they have the compassion to make others happy. Maybe I should make them happy too. And that's very possible if only a few of us, only a few of us showed up because the problem, Jim, is that the good ones of us or the good parts of us normally say, let them swipe away, let the dogfight continue, we're not interested. I think it's, it's too late for that. I think we should all show up and say, I'm a good person, take me as your parent. Wake up call. I think that's, that, that's, the, that's the purpose of this book is to say to everyone there is something to think about. Yes, absolutely. Right. I'm very, very grateful that you had me. This was a wonderful conversation. Thank you. Mo Gaudat speaking with us from London. Next, our recommendation. Richard, what do you have for us this week for a recommendation? Well, we've been talking about the future so my recommendation is going back about as far in the past as possible. I've been reading the Iliad by Homer. Uh, the English translation is by the late, great Robert Fagels. The Iliad, you probably know, is an epic Greek poem from thousands of years ago, the story of the Trojan War, a legend. The version I've been reading is thrilling and beautiful, 
and surprisingly powerful. It offers several moral lessons about the importance of leaders treating their soldiers or the people who serve under them with respect, the importance of accepting apologies, and the need for respecting family bonds, all ethical matters, I guess, that that Mo was just speaking about. Let's talk about this Mo Gaudet interview, Jim. Yeah. Mo said something I thought was really interesting. He said, AI is the pandemic of our time, but it's a little different from a a disease in the sense that for now, most of the things that we get from AI are pretty great. But I like the way that he got into how we're seeing signs of how this runaway application of artificial intelligence can magnify problems that are already latent in our society. And you just have to go online for 10 minutes to see that algorithms that promote the most divisive and and kind of tribal responses to questions can ultimately not just affect what we see online, but affect how we view the world and in that way, ultimately change the world. But it's not just the algorithms that are promoting bad behavior. It's what Mo is saying, and I found this really eye-opening, is that it's our behavior. It's us that we can tell collectively, we can tell the algorithms what to do and what to feed us. If, If we act like good parents and exhibit good behavior, then what we get back from the algorithms will reflect who we are. And who we are right now, for instance, on social media, in many cases, is terrible. I mean, I have friends who I deeply respect, and I look at their Twitter feed, and it's completely different from the person or the people I really know. Yeah. We really need to think about our behavior. We also need to think hard about the systems we're building. And we need to think hard about how connected we need to be. One thing we didn't get into with Mo, but a lovely little part of the book near the end, he, he describes us all as living in something like a lab. You know, we're all being being watched and tested and measured all the time by these systems. We're tracking our behavior. He says, it's important to get out of the lab. Go camping, go for a walk, leave your phone at home, you know, and live life in the in the carbon-based world a little more. And that's also a way of disconnecting. Well, we're going to disconnect right now. It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. Our producer is Miranda Schaefer. And How Do We Fix It? is a production of Davies content. We make podcasts for companies and nonprofits. Please check us out at DaviesContent.com. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the Democracy Group. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 
36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.